Hi, I'm Carrie Adams and you're listening to Carrie's Corner. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers, the people who make it happen in the liquor industry around the world. So, let's get sipping. Well, hello everybody and welcome to Carrie's Corner. Thanks for tuning in to me again this week. Anybody who's been to Marble or Saint restaurants in Johannesburg will somehow, at some stage, have run into Vickers Human. He's quiet, reserved, unassuming and very talented. And this young sommelier is making a huge name for himself through sheer hard work and a long love affair with wine and, of course, many late nights studying to get himself to be one of the first master sommeliers, the court of Master Sommeliers in South Africa. Vickers, hi, and welcome to Carrie's Corner. Thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me on the show, Gary. Really, really appreciate it. It's an absolute privilege for us to be speaking to you. You have worked long and hard at your trade, and I'm so chuffed to see where you've got to in a relatively short space of time. I can still remember bumping into you at the Forum Hominy restaurant, where you were a tiny baby still and just starting out. And I think you were on the front desk, weren't you? That's correct, yeah. I, I spent uh, quite a bit of time on the front desk making reservations and checking rooms and, yeah, big change. Mm. Mm. Vex, you studied a BCom tourism at Tux and you were a waiter at Zest Restaurant. When did your actual love of wine happen? When did you fall in love with that bottle? Um, so I was working on the on the pass at Forum Harmony and Roots Restaurant and uh, alongside with Argy and Maria, uh, one of the great chefs in South Africa. Mm. And uh, yeah, someone asked me at the time, do you want to sit in like a wine tasting? We're doing this just basically food and wine pairing thing. And I sat in the room and Stefan Skuman was there and he, we basically just tasted wine and the chefs started talking about food and Kate and uh, Meissner, the somebody at the time, started talking about about wine pairing with food, and then it just basically clicked from there. And 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 uh, once once Kate left, uh, Francis Kruner stepped into the picture, and he he, he said to me, him and, and Yakumina said to me, "Do you want to be a generalist or a specialist?" And I said, "I'm more kind of a person that likes to focus in one thing and and be quite linear in what I do." And and I, I decided to take on the role of, of being a specialist, and and wine was in front of me at the table at the time, and that's that's basically <laughs> how I grabbed onto a bottle of wine and never stopped. Uh, reading and, and learning about wines from there. Well, it's just such a lovely success story. I know that you're currently, you've done your WSET Level 3 exams, and That's I know great, that yeah. you're currently about to complete your Court of Master Sommeliers exams. Tell me, how far have you got with that? So, Court of Masters, I, I did an introductory in London uh, about two years ago, and then, uh, well, three years ago, and then two years ago, I did my certified examination in London, which I passed as well. Uh, last year, unfortunately, COVID happened, but the plan was to, to try and attempt the advanced uh, course of the quartermasters. But yeah, let's see what the future holds in. Uh, there is no advanced uh, being presented in South Africa. Uh, it's only in Europe at the moment. So hopefully next year or towards the end of this year, there might be a chance to have a go at the advanced uh, course, which is, mm. is quite intense. It's very intense. In fact, I think that there are only about 270 members, actually, who have successfully passed the court of Master Sommelier's course. I'm yep. not sure, but I, it's, I know that it's not a lot. It's under there's 300 masters, people. There's not a lot around, and uh, I think yeah. in, in advance, I don't think we have anyone that's advanced in South Africa at the moment. No. Vix, you have been at Marble and Saints since the inception of each of them, respectively, and 
I think that Marble and Saint, between you, Gary, and David, you've managed to establish those two restaurants as possibly the only two in Gauteng that are offering such a high level of wine service to the public. And I say that probably opening myself and you to terrible criticism from all kinds of other people, but I do know that when I go to a restaurant, as much as somebody can try to be a SOM, unless you've been taught or trained, it's very difficult to have those skills. Now, you've gone through a couple of people at Marble and Saint. You've put them on their tracks, and you've currently got some guys who are working with you. I know that you've got Timbani and Peace at Marble, and then you've got George and Stephanie and Katlejo at Saint. Tell us a little bit about the paces that you put your guys through in order to make sure that we, the, the public, are looked after like gold. I very much uh, kind of adapt the uh, quartermaster's uh, standards and service when it comes to wine service for me on the floor. It's one thing for me as being a head sommelier for both restaurants is very, very important is to make sure that whether it is any aspect of beverage service that my sommeliers and, and even the, the waiters that, that work with my sommeliers on the floor are all basically on the same level. Everyone needs to be able to do proper drinks uh, or beverage service in a sense. So I try and put them to their paces when it comes to decanting wine, uh, serving wine at the right temperatures, selecting the right glassware uh, for certain wines, um, and just small little things. I mean, most of the stuff is more competition-orientated, where we all walk clockwise around the table, the way we present ourselves at the table, and there's very small kind of minor details, something as simple as wiping the bottle every time before you, uh, after you've poured a, a glass of wine, or perhaps when you cut off the foil of a wine, um, having a small little wipe. Uh, before you start working with the cork just to make sure that there's no contamination or any kind of dust in there. So there's a lot of aspects that goes into service, uh, which I think many people or customers don't realize uh, once once yes. the bottle gets opened at the table. 100%. I don't think there are many people in South Africa who even expect that kind of service because it really just has not been part of wine and beverage service in South Africa. It's never really been part of that. We do have a sommeliering course in South Africa. Are there any other people offering courses like that? Uh, I think Joachim and them are also doing some great stuff down in Cape Town. And yeah, I, I mean, a great respect up to Joachim and, and John Vincent. They're also trying to establish this kind of wine service in young and upcoming sommeliers just to kind of preserve, I presume, the sommelier career in South Africa. I mean, that's mm. why we, yeah, we're not only here to kind of sell big bottles to customers and try and push the most expensive expensive wines. We just actually want to make sure that when you sit in a restaurant that there's actually someone at the table that can help you get the right wine, but you can also enjoy the wine in the perfect kind of glass, the right temperature, whether the wine needs to be decanted or not. So I think that's basically what John Vincent, Joachim, myself, all other head sommeliers in South Africa are, are preserving for the future. It's so important, you know, Last, not last year, because that was a year that we've all wiped out of our lives, but the year before, I was in Italy and I was waiting to meet somebody in a little street side cafe in Rome. And there was a youngster of about 24, 25 years old, and he was in a three-piece suit. It was flaming hot outside. It was about nearly 40 degrees. It was lunchtime, and I was sitting waiting for my lunch date to arrive. And this young chap came to speak to me, and he could speak quite good English actually considering that he was a full homegrown Italian and offered me a glass of wine and I said yes I would love a glass could he recommend something 
and Vixie started rattling off from this, and it was just a strip, what seemed to me to be a street-side cafe in Rome. And I said to him, gosh, you've got a very extensive wine list, and you know so much about it all. And he spoke, and you'll understand it, and you'll enjoy it. He spoke with such unbelievable pride and passion. His grandfather had been the head sommelier at this restaurant, then passed the job on to his father. And he had just recently, in the sort of previous three months, he had received the honor of this job from his father. And he was so excited about it. And I just thought, how can I capture that excitement and that passion for being that person in not even a Michelin-starred restaurant? It was a nice restaurant, but it wasn't Michelin-starred in any form or fashion. And he was so excited to have been awarded this honor and this privilege of holding that job as the head som in a good restaurant in Rome. How do we get our young guys to have that same passion? And how do we get the South African public to realize how important it is to have a som like that in a restaurant? Like I can guarantee you that that summit would have helped in Italy. He could he could have given you any glass of wine on the wine list, and you would yes. he would have enjoyed it just because you were captured by the story that he told you. And that's a discussion that myself and David had the other day as well. Is is with all these young guys that we have on the floor. I mean, we don't need to know exactly what the acid level in the wine is, and no, no who cares? Yes, it's important <laughs> to know how long the wine spent in, in oak and. They don't have to know what oak regime it was or where the cooper came from. These guys are so committed to, to learning just the story behind the wine. And, I mean, they might have experienced mm. the wine at home or it might be their first bottle that they've sold in their life or the first wine that they've tasted in their life. And they have these quite little small connections to each and different mm. wine. Perhaps it's a wine that they've, they've bought to me and said, Vickers, have you tasted it? No, I have not. And, I mean, I list that wine on the wine list as as their kind of contribution to the wine list. Yes. Um, we see it happening a lot at St. Anne at Marble and giving the guys just a little bit of recognition by it's not only Vickers' wine list at Marble and St. It's the team's wine list. Um, yes. These guys get the opportunity to put one or two wines on that they love and they have a story to tell about where they fell in love with the wine. And I mean, that's how we can basically transfer that passion that these guys have on their aprons and, and, and they basically when they work on the floor at night to transfer that to the consumers on the floor and actually just make the consumers feel a little bit more comfortable uh, when a sommelier comes to the table. Yes. Well, I think that's one of the other reasons. There are many facets of Vickers Human that make you just one of the most special people that we've got in our trade. That's one of them. Another one, I'm sure, is your selection process. How do you select your wines that you put onto your wine lists at, at Saint and Marble? Look, so we, we do a lot of tastings. Uh, I mean, we get the representatives from different farms to come sit with us. If we're looking for something specific, uh, we usually just put the word out there that we're looking for some cool Sauvignons or Chenins or Chardonnays or whatever it may be. And then I try and taste with the team. It's very, very important to make sure that the team that's going to be listing the wine is going to be on the floor, have tasted the wine. That's yes. the most important thing for me as well. It's pointless of, of basically having something on the list and, and these younger guys haven't tasted the wine and they haven't got a feeling for what the wine is. Mm. And I tell my, my younger sommeliers, I can teach you how to do service. I can teach you what a Chardonnay tastes like or what a Chenin Blanc tastes like. But the most important thing is, and, and it, it's in every sommelier's diary, is, is self-study. You've got to look at the wines that you have on the list and you've got to go and read self about something interesting about the farm, who's the winemaker, 
for example, how long is the wine spent in oak? There's a lot of self-study that goes into being yes. a, a young sommelier on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I, I can pass on all the, the qualities and my competition, things that I've had and, and what I've been asked in the competition and what I've been asked in the quartermasters. I can all pass on to, down to these guys. But the most important thing for them on the floor is just to go and self-study. And and I see that a lot in, in, in all six members of my teams, how they sit in their breaks. In fact, Mbani is sitting across from me now, <laughs> sitting in his break reading his notes, making small notes about different wines, about the winist. And, and that's something he's teaching himself, which is a very big thing in South Africa. Yeah. And we do have so many. I'm with you 100% when it comes to stories, because I know having worked in retail for most of my life, the way to captivate your, even worse, the way to capture your customer and make sure that they keep coming back to you is to tell them wonderful stories about every single product that they buy. So you might not necessarily think that Latash goes with boiled eggs, but maybe somebody had a fabulous experience with a bottle of Latash and a boiled egg. What better way to sell a bottle of Latash at however many hundreds of thousands of rands a bottle at this stage of the game? But it is those stories, I think, that captivate people and make them want to come back and back. I'm a great believer of pairing things, but I'm also a great believer of allowing people the freedom of choice. So I know with you, if I come to Marble or Saint and I say, Vix, what's your current favorite wine that you're selling on, on the wine list tonight? Regardless of whether I choose that delicious octopus at Saint or whether I choose that amazing marrowbone steak at Marble, if I feel like having a creamy Chardonnay because it's Vickers's favorite that night, I'm going to do it. And it doesn't really matter if it's not the ideal match with my meal. I just know that you have put something extraordinary into your cellar. How important do you think it is to pair food and wine? Like I, I basically have the same thing when I get to the table. It's for me. It's yes, food and wine pairing is important in the sommelier's world, and 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 if people are are sitting down and they're asking for a nice kind of classic pairing, the nice thing about both Marble and Saint is is that we do such great and high quality wines by the glass that we have that opportunity to show people a classic pairing such as pork belly and riesling at Marble, um, mm. or whether it may be a nice sort of light uh, margarita pizza with a Sangiovese at Saint. You know, there, there is the opportunity to do that, but once people start ordering a risotto, a salmon, and a ribeye steak at Marvel at the same table, <laughs> things kind of get a bit tricky. It's in that point in time where you've, where you've tried to, within two minutes, find a wine that's going to basically go with everyone's dish at the table, but you just pull out the line of basically, you know what, at some stage in, in, your, in your dinner, you're going to have to enjoy the food and you're going to have to enjoy the wine, you know? So 100%. <laughs> they might not work well together, but it's basically enjoying the whole Marble experience. And uh, yeah. I mean, that's what we try and do at Marble and Saint as well. And Vix, quickly, how is business going? I, mean, I know that Marble and Saint, you guys took a very sort of calculated choice to close down at the beginning of lockdown last year. You didn't engage in fast meals or sort of any of the um, delivery services or anything like that. You literally closed your restaurants for a good long time last year. How has that affected you? It must have been quite a big bite out of the, out of the annual figures. 
Yeah, look, I think uh, it, it wasn't easy for all of us, and we we basically going from a hundred miles an hour to to zero in in a space of two weeks, and and yeah. sitting at home and not being able able to talk about wine to customers. I mean, we did one or two things on Instagram. It was very hard, and I think even for the chefs, not to be able to to cook for for people and stand in front of the fires here, which they which I really do enjoy doing. But just to be fortunate enough that that Gary and David, I mean, David basically cycled almost <laughs> around the world to to keep us alive and and <laughs> i mean gary tried to help do everything he could from his side so just very unfortunate enough to be able to work for people like that that yes that basically looked after us and and we just decided you know what we'd rather just wait and come back with a bang and make sure when we come back that people will be very selective where they go after COVID, um once mm. they're allowed to eat in restaurants again and just make sure that even now it's been four or five months since we've been open again just every day we have to be on the ball to make sure that we can keep these customers coming back and that goes through good wine good food and good service at the end of the day well you're getting it right because i was at saint the other day and it was pumping and jumping and jiving and i do i'm a great 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 fan of of all of you i mean gary and david has been a friend of mine for many many years probably on a good day the best chef in the world i absolutely adore him he's fabulous you offer the most unbelievable service from the wine side, from the whole booze side, quite frankly. The offering at Marble and Saint is probably not really matched in many places. In South Africa, I think that you probably stick your head up, head and shoulders above most of the rest. It's a class act that you all put together for the South African public. So from me at Carrie's Corner and the Biz News platform to all of you, Keep doing what you're doing. We are so fortunate to have people like you to go to when we feel like something special. Or not even something special. Hey, as you say, a pizza and a, and a Sangiovese. Let's do that. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing like a Sunday afternoon lunch or a Saturday afternoon lunch. And Vex, you open six, seven days a week. What's the story at the moment? So we only open five days a week now. Marble is open from Tuesdays until Saturdays. And then Saints open from Wednesdays until Sundays. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. And any chance of you doing those final sommelier exams from all of us to you, if you get to do them and you get to travel, good luck because we need to have one of you in South Africa. At least. I was thinking about it the other day. I think Miguel Chan is a is a, is he's, a sub. He's certified. He's is he certified? Yes, yep. he's certified from the from the court of of court master sums. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we need you, and we need you to do the same, and good luck. Thank you for everything you do for us. Thank you from your side as well, thanks for all the support. Vickers, thanks for joining me on Carrie's Corner. Cheers. Absolute pleasure. Cheers. Have a good one, Carrie. Nice Bye. Bye.